Hope Cathedral family. Oh, what an exciting time as we move into our Easter series. Uh, we're going to be looking at, well, the most important topic. Dr. Martin Luther King once said this about prayer. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That's how essential prayer is to people of faith. And so I'm going to invite you over these next few weeks to, to lean in with me and to find a prayer that we can live on, a prayer that we can live by. We're going to ask Jesus to be our prayer coach for these next six weeks. That's what the disciples, Dr. Wayne mentioned, the disciples once did that. They said, Jesus, we want to learn to pray. The most important experience that we can have is to know and encounter God through prayer. Lead the way. Show us how. Teach us to pray. And Jesus went on to teach them a prayer that is now the most well-known prayer in the world. Or is it? I heard about this baseball team, and they were in the clubhouse the coach was given a pep talk. They were getting ready to go out on the field, and the coach said to the shortstop, he said, you know, when I finish my pep talk, would you say the Lord's Prayer before we go out on the field? Well, the shortstop, he looked real nervous. He starts to sweat. And one of his teammates sees what's going on. So he leans over to the guy next to him, and he says, look, look how nervous he is. I'll bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And the guy takes the bet. And so the coach finishes his pep talk, and the shortstop steps up to pray. And this is what he says. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. The guys who made the bet, guy looks at the other guy and says, man, I didn't think he knew the prayer. I guess I owe you 50 bucks. <laughs> when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus, think about it. He could have taught them anything. But he taught them this one specific prayer. He gave them a pattern to follow. It's the most important prayer that you will ever learn to pray. And wherever you're at on the, your spiritual journey, if this is all brand new to you or you've been praying this prayer for a, a very long time, I encourage you to ask Jesus over these next six weeks to be your prayer coach, to lean in further, to take you deeper, to encounter a prayer that we truly can live on. In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to say the prayer together. You can see it up on the walls and up here on the screen. Let's read this out loud together and fill this place with the Word of God. Everyone say it with me. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we give God praise? Amen. What a powerful prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the wonderful cathedral family and guests and friends that are with us. Thank you for this very special time of year as we're moving toward the celebration of Easter. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that by the power of your spirit, as we move into this prayer, take us deeper, take us further. So that six weeks from now, we'll look back and say, look at what the Lord has done. Start with me. And all God's people said, amen. One more time. Let's give God praise. Amen. I am so excited about this new series. Now, here's what I'm going to invite you to do before you're seated. Uh, Jesus is our prayer coach. Can you believe that? I mean, if, if you were a golfer and you found out Tiger Woods was going to be your swing coach, you'd tell your buddy, hey, man, Tiger is my swing coach. Or if you were an investor and Warren Buffett was going to show you how to invest, you would say, can you believe it? Warren Buffett is going to be my investment coach of your singer. And John Legend said he would step up and be your vocal coach. You think you would keep that quiet? You'd be telling everybody, John Legend, man, he's going to be my coach, my vocal coach. Nobody knows more about prayer than Jesus. And Jesus has offered to be our prayer coach. So before you're seated with a little bit of enthusiasm, a sparkle in your eye, smile on your face, look at someone and tell them, Jesus is my prayer coach. Go ahead and do that. Jesus is my prayer coach. Here we go. Coach us up, Jesus. Be our prayer coach. And this first line of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see three important questions that are answered. And the first question is this, the who question. Who is it we actually talk to when we pray? Are we just talking to ourselves? Is there someone else that's out there? And if there is someone else that's out there, what's their nature? What's their character? Jesus says this, pray then in this way, our Father. Would you say that with me? Our Father. Those words are groundbreaking. They were revolutionary. Our friends over at the Second Harvest Food Bank, they once asked me if I would do the invocation. When they were getting ready to build the building across the street, they had a groundbreaking ceremony, and they asked me if I would come and open with prayer. And so I went over, and I met the MC for the event. He was a he was a Bay Area media personality. He, everybody knew who he was, and he was a super nice guy. We had a chance to talk a little bit. 
And this is how long ago it was. He, when he saw me, he said, wow, you, aren't you kind of young to be a pastor? <laughs> Nobody says that to me anymore. That ship has <laughs> sailed. So this was a few years ago. But even to this day, I will never forget the way that he introduced me. And he used these words. He says, Pastor Foreman now is coming to invoke the great mystery. And it reminded me of what the philosophers in Jesus' day thought about God. That God was a great mystery. They wrote, when it comes to God, guesswork is overall. And that's what makes Jesus' first two words in this prayer groundbreaking, extraordinary. Do you see what Jesus does? He takes the great mystery that is behind all of this, the great mystery that was before all of this, the great mystery that is above all of this. He takes that great mystery and he gives it a name. He says, it's more than a power, it's a person. It's more than a force, it's a father. And he says, when you pray, pray this way. The great mystery is our father. Can we give God praise? What an amazing revelation. Hallelujah. People had been praying for thousands of years before Jesus, but nobody had ever prayed like that. I mean, it was the unique, most unique opening line in the history of prayer. But there was nobody who had been quite like Jesus because Jesus was the unique son of the father. But what Jesus does in that prayer as he invites us into that relationship so that we can call his father our father. The Bible says to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, our father. Amen. That's a good place to give God praise. Since this is the Silicon Valley, let me, let me put it in these terms. If you have your cell phone with you, how many have their cell phone with them somewhere around? If you took out your cell phone right now, our tech team, see, we have a network, a cathedral network here at the church. It's connected to the internet. But our tech team decided to share that access with you. And so if you took out your phone right now, you could connect to the internet. Right in the middle of my sermon, you could take your phone and connect to the internet. This illustration was a bad idea. Don't think about doing that right now. <laughs> what does Jesus do? Jesus has a connection to the Father. He's had it for eternity. And what he does 
when we put our faith in him, he shares that connection with us. He shares it for free. You can access that connection. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. All you can do is receive it. The connection he has had for eternity with the Father, he invites you in. Join the network. And when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Are you kidding me? Jesus could have used... He could have started the prayer this way. Say, our king, because God is our king. He could have said this, our creator, because God is our creator. But instead, he uses words that describe the most intimate, personal connection you can have. When you pray, pray this way. Abba, Daddy, Papa. Father, let me ask you a question. Go a little bit deeper. How does that make you feel? Does it make your heart leap with joy that you want to run toward the Father, throw open your arms and say, I love you, Daddy? Or does it make you sick to your stomach? You want to run away, hide somewhere under the bed. Here's what I've seen, that a person can sometimes take the wounds from an earthly father and project them onto their heavenly father. And subconsciously, they short circuit their praying before they get started. For some reason, they're not sure why. They have a hard time Relating to God as their father. And if that's where you're at this weekend, what I would encourage you to do is to bring your wounds to your heavenly father. Because not only can he heal your heart, but he can be the kind of father to you that you wish you had always had. He really can. Amen. Instead of being abusive, the heavenly father is compassionate. Instead of being distant, the heavenly father is fully present. Instead of being unreliable, our heavenly father is totally faithful. Instead of never being able to please your heavenly father, your heavenly father is fully affirming. I had this nudge this week, and I, I think it's for someone. I don't know how many, but I really felt that when you were growing up, you never, no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't please Dad. Just never could please him. It was never good enough. Never good enough. You never heard an affirming word from him. And one of the best things that could happen today is for the Heavenly Father 
to wrap his arms around you and to say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, I played baseball and like, here's a picture. Oh, look at that cute little guy. Look at those braces. Oh my goodness. And so I was playing baseball and I, I remember my mom would work the snack shack and my dad would come to the games. And I, I have a very vivid image of, of one of those occasions where throughout the game, it was a tough game and I wasn't the best player on the field. We weren't the best team. I, I played hard, I, I had my knees skinned up and my arms were bleeding and my uniform was dirty and I'd got a couple of hits but I'd struck out and then I'd caught some balls but I'd made an error and yet at the end of the game when I walked off the field, I wasn't the best player out there but when I walked off the field I looked in the stands and there was my dad. And I could hear his applause. And God brought someone here this weekend that you never received the earthly applause of your earthly father. But God brought you here today and you are in this service and God wants you to hear a heavenly applause that your knees are bloody, your arms are skinned up, your uniform is dirty, and, and this past week, you had a couple of hits, you struck out, you, know, you, you made some plays, but you made an error too, and yet you still showed up at church to worship God, and God wants you to hear the applause of heaven in your life today. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Can you hear the applause of heaven in your heart? Boy, the, the father we serve is such a good, good father. Look at what James chapter 1 says about God. It says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Whatever is good and perfect is always a gift from your good father. This is the great extraordinary word from these opening words, a great mystery is our good father. That's who we approach in prayer. Let's give him praise. Amen. That's who we approach when we pray. Our father. Say that with me. Our father. Now that brings us to the where question. Where is the father at? This, again, is a very important question. Can he hear me from where he's at? I, I saw this child who had written a question to God and said, Dear God, are you a ninja? Is that why I can't see you? Since God is invisible, where is God at? Is he in a place that he can hear us? There's an actual website you can find online, and if you go to the website and you click on the word pray, here's what happens. Scientists have developed a radio transmitter and they've directed it toward this star cluster, cluster known as M13. Now they believe this is the oldest part of the universe. 
And so what you do is you send them your prayer request, and then they send it out toward this star cluster because they figure this is the last place they know God has been when he started all of this. And so 50,000 people a week send their prayer request to have them shot out into space and hope that they might one day reach the God who is out there beyond it all. Now, this is a very important question. Is God really out there? Is he at a place where he got everything going and then he's kept his distance? And so when it comes to praying, can we ever really reach him? Or are we on our own? It sure can seem that way sometimes. And then we come to the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven. Where's the Father? The Father is in heaven. Or a more literal translation of this word, because it's plural. Our Father in the heavens. Wow. How about for the rest of this point, if we take a walk outside into the night sky, our Father in the heavens. Where are the heavens? Well, would you be interactive with me for just a moment if you look down and now look up? When you look up, you're looking into the heavens. It means that our Father is at the edge of our atmosphere. And our Father is also at the edge of our solar system. Our Father is also at the edge of our galaxy. The Father is also at the edge of our universe. There our Father is the one who rules the heavens, who fills the heavens. Our Father is transcendent. Our Father is the one who is high above us. And when I need to know this is when I am facing a mountain. Are you facing a mountain this weekend? When you're facing a mountain as tall as Everest, and it looks like there's no way through the mountain, around the mountain, or even over the mountain, the best thing you can do is walk out into the night sky and lift up your head toward the heavens and see your Father who is greater than any mountain that you're facing. This is the Father that we serve. Our Father who fills the heavens, who rules the heavens. No mountain is too great for our Father. And all God's people said, Amen to that. But where does the heavens start? Go to the edge of our atmosphere and come right back toward us. Where does the atmosphere start? Bring it back, bring it back, bring it all the way down to right here. The atmosphere is right here. 
the Father is not only high above us, he is right here with us. This is what they call the eminence of God. The the Father is as close to you. My buddy John Ortberg puts it this way. He says, our Father who is closer than the air that we breathe. Can we get interactive one more time? Would you take just a big breath and then let it out? Go go ahead, everyone. Okay, one more time, everybody. How about one more time? Let's give it a go. We got it. One more time. Okay, let's stop right there. I'm I'm getting dizzy. Okay, so (laughs) next time you're feeling alone, you're feeling forgotten, you're feeling abandoned, remember, your father is as close to you as the air that you breathe. Our Father who fills the heavens. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You see how amazing our Father is. If you're facing a mountain, lift up your eyes. He fills the heavens and is greater than any mountain. If you're feeling abandoned, take a deep breath because he's as close to you as the air that he you breathe. Psalm 139 puts it this way. It says, you are all around me, Father, behind me and in front of me. You hold me safe in your hands. Where can I go to escape from you? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I lie down in the deepest parts of the earth, you are also there. If we will be more attentive to his presence, more aware of his presence, that wherever we go, We can never escape his presence, that he's high above us, and he's right here with us. And all God's people said amen to that. Let's give God praise again for who he is and what he's done for us. Hallelujah. Our Father in heaven, say it with me, our Father in heaven, high above us and right here with us. And that brings us to this last question, and that's the what question. What exactly should we pray about? There's lots of things we can pray about, but Jesus starts off with something very specific. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Anybody ever see the show, Everybody's Got, Everybody Loves Raymond? That television show, in this one episode, there's, a, there's a, the wife and the husband are kind of going back and forth. And she asked him, why don't you go to church with me? And listen to their dialogue. Let me tell you something. I practice being a good person every day, okay? I'm a decent fellow. I, I do good things. I, I, I always leave a big tip. If a, if a squirrel runs in front of the car, do I not swerve? <laughs> I, I'm considerate of people's feelings. Remember the plumber who came over with the big eye? I treated him like a completely normal person. <laughs> okay, so, so, so why do I have to go to church every Sunday to prove my goodness? I'm living it. 
Well, you know, since you are so good during the week, maybe on Sundays we should have everybody come over here and sit around you. <laughs> okay, all right. Why, why do you go, Miss Holy Moly? Why do I go? Yeah. I go, you know, to thank God for you and the kids. And to pray for the strength to get through another week with you and the kids. Okay. Yeah. No, but, right. no, really. You know, I, I go to get re-energized. To be part of something that's bigger than me and my little problems. You know, it reminds me that I'm not the be-all and end-all or something out there that's greater than me. Why do you have to have an answer for everything? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a great, great show, a great clip from that show. When we come together on the weekend, we come to sit around the Father, to recognize His worth, and then to give Him the worth-ship that he deserves, to hollow his name. There was one little boy who was trying to pray the Lord's Prayer, and when he started off, well, he put it this way. He said, our Father in heaven, Harold, be your name. <laughs> he was confused. And adults get confused, too, when we get to this part of the prayer, just being real, because we don't use the word hollow in our everyday language. We just don't hear it at work, at school, at home. And so when we come to this part of the prayer, we're not sure exactly what to do with it or what it means. Now, we don't use the word hollow, but we do use the word honor and worth and value. And when we get to this part of the prayer, Jesus says the first thing you ask for is to ask that the Father shows you his true worth and that you give the father the worth he deserves. Make sure the price tags are right. There were these two guys years ago in the Midwest. They broke into a department store and they broke in. They were there all night and they didn't get caught. They left and what made this story so engaging is that they didn't steal anything. They were there all night, left in the morning, but they didn't steal anything. Instead, what they did is they took the price tags and they changed the price tags on everything. <laughs> it was crazy. So nobody knew what the real value was. And so here you had a box of stationery. They'd taken a 900 dollar price tag off of a camera and put it on that stationery. Or they took a $7 book, they took the price tag off of that and put it on an outboard motor. Now the store opened up and it was open for four hours before anybody realized what had happened. Four hours. Values were all confused. Price tags were all mixed up. Jesus says the first thing you do in prayer is this. You make sure you got your price tags right. That the most valuable thing, the most worthy thing, is not money, is not pleasure. 
is not being liked, approval, reputation. It's not even family, the most worthy thing, the thing that takes the sacred space, the hallowed space, is the Father. That, Father, you are most worthy of my worship. And this is the number one thing that we ask for. God, we pray that you would receive the worship you deserve. And it's a prayer of adoration. It's a prayer of praise. This praise comes before petition. Give us, or uh, hallowed be thy name, comes before give us this day our daily bread. If you get them turned around, what happens is this. You see, praise sets the context for all of our petitions. But if I start petitioning before I start praising, I can, oh, my sacred space can get all messed up. I start praying, I need bread. I need that promotion. I must have that promotion. I can't live without that promotion. And if we put that promotion in the hallowed place, we will never have peace. You can pray a thousand times. Claim Philippians chapter 4. But if you hollow your promotion, you will never have peace. But if you start with the name of God and you hollow his name and you give him his sacred space, you can bring your request to the Father and leave them there in his hands and relax because you serve a good, good Father. Amen. Keep the Father in the sacred space. Amen. So we're going to wrap things up a little bit differently. The tech team is coming, and they're going to get the stage ready. Sometimes, well, you can only read about something for so long, but if you never practice it, you're never going to get better. And so we're going to take what we just talked about, and we're going to put it into practice. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, if you'll stand with me. And we're going to practice hollowing the name of God. If you're new to the Lord's Prayer and you're wondering, Pastor Ken, I don't know what to praise God about. I don't know what exactly to say. Well, the Psalms are our prayer book. And you can take the Psalms and use them as the language of praise, your language of praise. And that's what I'm going to do in Psalm 145. We're going to go through this Psalm. I'm going to read. You can follow along. And at the end of this song, or the Psalm, Irene's going to come and sing a song. And we're going to pray that in these next few moments, God will answer our prayer, that the Father will be in the sacred space, and that his name will be hallowed today. Let me begin. I lift you high in praise, my God, O oh my King. And I'll bless your name into eternity. I'll bless you every day and keep it up from now to eternity. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. Can somebody say amen to that? 
There are no boundaries to his greatness. Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs on your wonders. Your marvelous doings are headline news. Can somebody say amen to that? I could write a book full of the details of your greatness. The fame of your goodness spreads across the country. Your righteousness is on everyone's lips. God is all mercy and grace, not quick to anger and is rich in love. Can somebody say amen to that? He's rich in love. God is good to one and all. Everything he does is suffused with grace. Creation and creatures applaud you, God. Your holy people bless you. They talk about the glories of your rule. They exclaim over your splendor, letting the world know of your power for good. Your kingdom is a kingdom eternal. You never get voted out of office. And can somebody say amen to that? God always does what he says and is gracious in everything he does. God gives a hand to those who are down on their luck. And he gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. Can somebody say amen to that? All eyes are on you, expectant. You give them their meals on time. Generous to a fault. You lavish your favor on all creatures. Everything God does is right. The trademark on all his works is love. God's there listening for all who pray, for all who pray and meet it. He does what's best for those who fear him, hears them call out, and he saves them. God sticks by all who love him, but it's over for those who don't. My mouth is filled with God's praise. Let everything, let everything, let everything, let everything living bless him, bless his holy name, from now to eternity, hallelujah!